This is part one of a two-part podcast. Hi, this is Mark. Sometimes talking to a friend or family member about permaculture can be met with a blank stare if it's all new to them. A great way to explain some of it can be over a card game using permaculture playing cards, which each have interesting facts with quality illustrations and descriptions. A wide range of people, places, and things all related to permaculture can be found on the permaculture playing cards at richsoil.com forward slash cards. It's the permaculture smackdown. And we're going to review Chapter 3 of Building a Better World in Your Backyard instead of being angry at bad guys by me and Sean. Um, but but then uh, we started talking about what are we going to talk about today, and we kind of started getting into it a bit much, and I kind of thought, oh, let's just start recording, and we'll just start saying all the things. And so uh, one of the things in this last week that, that has been a big, big, big thing is uh, we've got a thread out at Permies about how do we uh, improve people getting into the boot camp? And, and it's like we've got to improve the, the boot camp page, the boot camp thread, some other boot camp things. Um, and then there's also some ideas about reaching audiences that we haven't reached before. And then um, uh, and so now I'm here with several people that are my Patreon people. And um, uh, we've got uh, Mark, Ashley, Katie, and Kyle. And Katie, what was your question again? Well, my question was, um, when you're talking about um, getting Boots into the, the boot camp, mm-hmm. what is the motivation you would wish that Boots would have to want to be in the program? I, I think the motivation is probably an exact match for everybody who listens to this podcast. And it's that they – they want to live a permaculture and homesteading lifestyle. And um, I think, and, and you listen to the podcast because it's kind of like um, you can, you can enjoy this path more if there are little bits and bobs that you know. And so, um, and, and it's like if you're currently doing a worky job, and you're commuting to work and you've, you know, fill the, you pass the commute by listening to podcasts. And this is one of the podcasts. It might be that by the time you head out to your new homestead, you'll have this big gob of knowledge. So I kind of feel like those people and the people that I, that come to the boot camp, the, the thing that, that I think most of them want is it's like, I want to hold the drill and make the shells. I want to hold the draw knife and peel the bark. You know, I, I want to hold the chainsaw and trip the tree. I want to hold the clay, hold the sand and smash it into cob. I, I want to build the thing that is normally built out of plywood and I'm going to build it without plywood. I want to experience that. I want to plant the seed and eat the tomato. So I think, I think that there's a lot of people that want to do a lot of this stuff, but they've never done any of it. And so I kind of get the feeling like there's people that come to the boot camp for like, 
a couple of months just to kind of get from zero or near zero up to having some experiences. And, and then they kind of feel like they can take it from there. And then there are some people where, and the ones I'd really like are where, are where they're feeling like, yeah, they want to do that and they want to keep going past that and they want to live here forever. Now, um, and continue doing that. I think for a lot of people listening to this podcast, it's kind of like, you know, why do you want to do that? I, I think for a lot of people, they, they want to really know what the hell is going on with their food. I mean, for people that are currently sick or they've been sick or they know people who are sick and you kind of have to wonder, like, how did you get sick? What, where did it come from? I think a lot of people just deeply, desperately want to know the story of their food, like the real story. Because it's like no matter how much it's labeled organic, it's like you, you got to kind of wonder, is it really? And so I – and then even even beyond that, it's like if you're sick, is it possible that if that food were growing from a polyculture in rich soil that you wouldn't be sick now? So – I don't know. I, I kind of feel like the motivation for the people that are coming here, I think that's pretty easy to, to, to experience this stuff. <clears throat> um, so first of all, maybe that we should ask everybody, like, take your question and first apply it to you. I mean, you've been here, you've met the boots and, and, um, I suspect that you have thought, you know, uh, uh, if my path were a little bit different or something, I'd totally be there. So what would it be that would be motivating you to come here that you think would be healthy motivations? Well, I do feel like you kind of read my soul just now. (laughs) (laughs) So you're pretty spot on. Um, I came out because I wanted to see it. I wanted to see things because when I hear about them and read about them that's great but seeing them there's a bunch of things I didn't even think to ask that I will learn and I really wanted to to just experience it and understand the how not just the what and the why Um, and then I do have a powerful need to understand where my food comes from and to know its real history so that's spot on Uh, and for me it's just this time in my life uh, raising small children and other things like that it's just not an option for me right now but I would love to come out sometime and do more. I would really love that. How about how about if I reverse the question? What what would be a, a poor motivator? What would be what would be the thing that would be like ruining all of our projects? Or you know, because the question is is what what is it that we want to appeal to? What what would be the thing that would draw a boot here that would be a good thing to draw a boot here? But what would be a thing that would draw a boot here and it would be the wrong bait? Well, I do think if you were just there to like try to have a place to live because you didn't have any place at all, um, but you didn't share the values, that would be really difficult for everybody involved. Um, or if you were just completely out of money and like no place to go and you're like, well, maybe this, if you shared the values though, I think that maybe that could work and you could pull yourself up into a better spot than you were. But it's, it's, 
that seems dangerous. Like maybe it wouldn't work and then everyone would be in trouble. Yeah. We've, we've had, we've had some people come where they did not fit and it was, you know, lots of different reasons why they didn't fit. But uh, we, we've had a couple people come where they kind of thought, Oh, I'm, I'm going to get off the heroin now. And what I want to do is go someplace where they don't have heroin. And, and it's like, we are not a rehab clinic. We, we don't have the resources for that. And, uh, um, you know, so please, if this is what your motivator is, please don't, please don't come here. Um, we've had people come here where, um, they were basically homeless. And this was somehow their idea of like how to solve homeless, but the boot camp was kind of inconvenient in that it, you know, required a certain amount of time. And they argued about how, you know, that's too many hours. You need to change the system. And, and it's kind of like, I, I think that the system is good. And if you don't like it, um, it might be time to move on down the road. Uh, I, I do think that somebody could make something that is um, a, a great permaculture system for homeless people. Um, but I can't, I don't yet know a way to make it work. And so that's not what I really want. And we've had a few people and it's like, a, Hey, maybe it could have worked. Like they, you know, somebody who, who's like, likes the values even a little bit and likes it better than being homeless. It's like, Okay. All right. We can work with that. So, um, I, I don't know. I, the other, the other thing is, is that if the, if the BRK is really good, cause I kind of think like, okay, we need more boots. Maybe I can convince more people to add something to the BRK and, uh, then, then they'll be, it'll be even sweeter. And I'm a little worried that then we might start getting some people that aren't a good fit because they're just here to get the money. And, um, and maybe for people who maybe have not heard that term before, BRK is the biological reverse Kickstarter. Essentially, it's like a pledge system for people who are posting on the forums. I don't know if you wanted to mention, yeah, describe that. It's something like if you post a, you post a hundred media rich posts, which is, it's defined, I think is like a video or three pictures of your experience uh, as a boot. Uh, if you do it 100 posts, uh, then you get to harvest the BRK, which I think right now is around $2,000. And so um, I can tell you that the boots that are here that are doing it, they very much appreciate the BRK. It gives them money to buy winter gear, uh, cell phone stuff, things like that. And, um, you know, going going into town and booting it up a bit once in a while, stuff. You know, these kinds of things. And so, um, but yeah, it's it's uh, it's not big money. Two thousand dollars every one hundred posts every three months. It's not that's not super big money, but it's enough. Um, and then, uh, I mean, there's a there's a buffet of side hustles. That, that are available here, but one of them is is that if you edit up a video uh, that I can use in my YouTube channel, 
then I'll pay you anywhere from $100 to $200 for it. And I would imagine that a person could easily put together, you know, two or three videos every um, every week. But anyway, all right. Um, so, Katie, have you said everything that you'd like to say about what would motivate you that is a good motivator to be in the boot camp and what would be a, a poor motivator? Well, I think on the good motivator side, wanting to further permaculture, um, not just in your own, like you, you, you make a rocket mask oven and then you come back and make a rocket mask oven at your house because now you feel like you can do it. And, uh, but also, uh, trying to move things forward for everybody. Like, like it helps the project a lot when these experiments happen and everyone can see them and learn from them. And, um, even if you can't come out, you still can learn from the experience through the podcast or on the forums. And, um, and I think that's really, it's really motivating. I think at some point, if you wonder, like, I wish I could save the world. I want to save the world. Oh, can I save the world? And you're like, well, I could save a little bit of it. I could, I could help move it forward in a way that's really meaningful to me. So I think coming out and being like, I'm going to help make this fence. And it's part of this bigger thing that I really care about. So I think that's a good motivator. Um, I guess a bad motivator is just like doing random things because it's really random. <laughs> I don't know. I'm not good at the bad motivator question. Well, I I kind of feel like one of my motivations to have more people in the boot camp is um, I uh, I feel like we have this large body of stuff, whether it's all the posts at all the forums of permies.com or the book, Building a Better World, or the next book, Skip, uh, or the movies, or uh, whatever. All of this stuff is ready to go to make a large positive impact on our global problems. It just needs to get into more brains. And I kind of feel like the thing that we're missing, it's like every time we come up with a new thing, you know, like, okay, we ran this rocket mass heater for an entire winter, and we heated this home to a very comfortable temperature with 0.60 cords of wood, very carefully measured. And so we put it out there, and it's like maybe this will be the thing that goes viral. Nope. <laughs> so I kind of feel like every time we come up with a thing that maybe this will be the thing that goes viral. It's like, it's like rolling the Yahtzee dice and someday we're going to get all sixes and it's all going to go some, some one thing is going to go viral and it's going to bring the world in to all the other stuff that's just waiting for us. And I kind of feel like, um, Right now, every year, we get three rolls of the dice, maybe four. And um, if we can get to the point that we have more boots in the boot camp, like, like you know, three times more boots in the boot camp, then um, we're going to get 10 rolls of the dice or 12 rolls of the dice each year. And then one of these things, one of these days, we'll get all sixes and it'll all We'll get into everybody's brains. All this stuff will get into everybody's brains, and we will make a big difference. So 
maybe a motivator for a person is that they want to do that. They want, they want to improve those odds. Like, I think that's a great motivator. Um, another, I think another great motivator that I see a lot of, and I'm going to do my very best to keep everybody's names anonymous, is that there are a lot of people who kind of feel like they don't like who they are and they want to be a different person. And so they have come here to try to be a different person. I mean, I think there's a lot of people who don't like who they are and they join the military and go to the military boot camp because they want to, because the military boot camp will make you a different person. And so, um, I, 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 I don't, we don't do it the same way, but I think that there, there's, there has been a lot of people that have come here and, and that's kind of like their primary function. And I kind of feel like it's, that's a, a flattering function. Like when they, when that's their, what they want. I want to be a different person. And so I want to come and be there and grow there and become the person that comes out the other side. You know, there's a vast majority of people who they, they're born, they grow up in a society that sort of has a, a plan for the average person to become the average worker within the economy, right? Producing and consuming type of mentality. And there are people out there who don't like that and they don't really have an idea of how they could change that. And that's where I think the, the boot camp is great because you do have the labs. You know, there is the goal of having a community there and somebody who they say, well, I like the idea of that, you know, of being able to grow my own organic food, to live in a natural building that's not full of toxic garbage uh, that's adversely affecting my health. Um, but I just don't have the skills to go out there and, you know, prenicking my way into a house. Well, then they can show up at the boot camp. They don't have to have a ton of resources. They don't have to spend get a hundred thousand dollars in debt going to college to try to learn some kind of skills and then find out, Oh, that, that didn't help me any. I'm still in the system and now I have a bunch of debt to pay off. And, you know, maybe in 20 years I can try again doing something else. You know, so you have this, I would say like a homesteaders college, uh, you know, or a permaculture college that people can go through. They can learn all these useful skills. And if they stick around long enough, then, they have access to that land to be able to build their own place. They don't have to get into a ton of debt. You have the reverse Kickstarter that essentially can people have their spending money that they can have a cell phone, whatever type stuff and, and not have to worry about how do I afford this? Um, and so it provides sort of a path that people can travel along and reach a destination that, that just feels better, you know, that it's like what some people's goals in life are. So that's how I interpret it. I, um, what I want to do. Okay. Yes, I agree. I, I think that's a lot of good stuff. I'm going to ask Kyle who has been out here as a bit of a boot a couple of times 
Um, and and so, Kyle, what are going to be your answers to these questions? Um, the reasons why I wanted to be there is, uh, you said it, it's to get my hands-on experience um, doing. You can't really, there's not a lot of places where you can go learn how to do cob or, you know, peel a tree or, you know, all those fun things. Um, so, yeah, it was mostly for hands-on experience. I think a good thing to squeeze in here real quick is that if you attend the Permaculture Technology Jamboree, which we used to call the ATC, in a way it's kind of like getting the best of being in the boot camp. It's, it's kind of like getting three months of the boot camp squeezed into two weeks. And um, it's, and you get to choose. There's a lot of, yeah. uh, there's several paths every day. And you get to choose which one is interesting to you and which ones are. So, Katie, uh, you were also here for an ATC before we renamed it to the Permaculture Technology Jamboree. Do you think that there might be some truth to that? Six weeks compressed or six months? Oh, wait, what am I saying here? Three months compressed into about two weeks? Oh, yeah. I think it's a great way if you don't have the time, but you can, like, you don't have the longer time. Um, to come out and get a lot of, I love driving the excavator. It is so awesome. But there were so many wonderful things that I also didn't get to do because I chose something else that I wanted to do a little bit more. And so I kind of want to come out for another one and, and, and learn the other ones. And I definitely want to come out for a rocket. I said the rocket thing wrong. Again, it's, it's a rocket oven or a rocket mass heater or something else. Maybe somebody has invented a rocket mass oven, but I don't, I don't know that they have. <laughs> but but to, to do a workshop on those specifically because I want to make a bunch and I don't want to start from zero. Um, but I think there's something you get from being in the boot camp that you don't also get in the ATC. I think seeing something through the completion and doing the slow work and seeing the day to day, like oh this is the day that I plan for this and this is the because in the ATC or the um, no the jamboree, um, it's, you, you kind of have to have done the planning beforehand in order to fit it into the time frame. And so you don't get some of that uh, goodness. I think you, you get more from being in the boot camp. But it is a good it's a good thing if you can't get, do the boot camp. So I've I've spent the last week or two working on getting a new assistant and scaring the crap out of people who were thinking about being my assistant. And um, the the big message is is that like ninety eight percent of the work that we do is is so boring. It's like, you kind of think like, I'm going to be involved in changing the world and, and being my virtual assistant is sitting in front of a computer all day doing the most boring, boring tasks, which is still, this is what I'm going, that's what most of my day is. Um, but so Katie, you're right. Uh, uh, there's a bunch of work that the boot camp will do to prepare for the PTJ. And then when the PTJ is over, uh, oh, and then during the PTJ, the boot camp is doing all of the, the chores that the attendees don't want to do. And uh, then after the PTJ is over, the boot camp finishes the projects that the attendees didn't finish. And a lot of times they didn't finish them because it wasn't as sexy as they wanted. And so I, I kind of feel like a big part of homesteading and permaculture is a is a lot of work that isn't isn't super stimulating. It's 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 work. It's stuff that needs to be done. Um, 
So it's it's just a a, a drag. And and while I'm speaking of, of being an assistant, it's it's kind of funny. I keep hearing about people that are like, I'll do anything if I can if it's a permaculture job. And uh <laughs> well, did you hear about how I was looking for an assistant? Oh yeah, I can't do that because not here's my excuse. It's, it's kind of like uh um yeah, that's so. There you go. A, a, a permaculture job people could do from anywhere in the world, and uh, you know, a lot of people let it go. But um, uh, we've we've uh, the the staff have come up with an amazing way to narrow it down. In fact, the uh, the last three people out of sixty three people that applied for the position, uh, the last three people are uh, have been given a task by my current assistant. And, um, and my current assistant is going to pick who the next assistant is. So I thought that was rather good. But for the, the boot camp, yes, a lot of, a lot of boring work. And, um, uh, and it's like you, 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 you kind of can't escape it in the boot camp. It has to be done and somebody gets assigned it and it's like, this is, this is what you're going to be working on now. And uh, whereas with the, the PTJ, you, you kind of can't. But with that boring boot work, though, it's stuff that you wouldn't normally be doing in your typical nine to five type of life, though, right? It might be boring relative to other projects that are happening there, but it's not just like boring by default. That's true. That's true. I don't know. When I was there, there was Dave painting the wall white for three days in a row. Oh uh, yeah, white whitewash. Technically, it's white. Yeah, whitewash. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's, that's why you gotta you gotta put it on in coats and stuff. Yeah. Um. So yeah, some of it some of it can drag on. Although I think that with the boot camp, we do have a a pretty strict policy, and once in a while, people will break the policy, and they'll hear my lecture about why they should not. But we have a pretty strict policy on you. You never work on the same thing for more than half a day, and um, and this is a policy that we started, I think, a year and a half ago, maybe two years ago. No, about a year and a half ago. And um, and it has to do with somebody who got uh, so um, keen on finishing a project that he wouldn't work on anything else. He was like, I only want to talk about this one project, and I won't work on anything else. And then when he got, when it finally got done and he did a lovely job, he was like, I have to leave now. I'm just too burnt out. Oof, he's gone. And so I do. I think, I think you got to keep mixing it up. The other thing is it would be lovely to have more boots because like right now the boots have been putting a lot of time in on the solarium and on the, on, on re-insulating the red cabin. And, um, if there were more boots here, then um, these projects would be done a lot faster, and they would have more diversity of projects that they could work on. But um, yeah, they're they they mix it up every day, but then you know, also every day more work on the solarium. It's just going it goes really slow when you have just a handful of people working on it. Usually, you're working together with other people, so even if it's boring. If the other people are fun and interesting, you could be chatting or things like that, right? Oh, yeah. Yeah. We also don't require a pace like you would get on a regular construction site. 
I think a, a regular construction site, you would be pressured to work probably at five times the pace of what the boot camp uh, operates at. So it's a, it's a much easier pace and, and encouraging the idea of doing a really nice job and having it take longer is, is encouraged. Yeah, I spent uh, a few hours while I was there just peeling logs with Des. It was really, really nice time. I think back about those those few hours just peeling logs. It was great. I think peeling logs is one of the more boring tasks that needs to be done. Um, <clears throat> so yeah, that, that's a perfect example of like let's not let's try to not have that happen more than twice a week, and any time we do it, no more than half a day. Um, so that way you can get plenty of diversity in your day. So uh, for, for me, um, when I want to, if I want to do a task at home, if I want to do, let's say that I want to build um, a Google culture bed or, or something big and I want to know the steps and the, for the, for the lime, for the whitewash, you have to slake the lime like a certain number of days and it can't be too old. And maybe there's other things you need to know. And if you're not in on the planning process and then you go home to do it yourself, um, and you don't have that that experience. For me, I, I just feel way more comfortable having been through some of the boring parts of the project because it makes me feel like I can do, I can, I know it so much better. Right. I and I'm not saying that we've got it all perfect here. Um, uh, and so there's going to be there's going to be stumbles. I mean, there was Berm Shed 1.0, and uh, which led to Berm Shed 2.0. As, as a, as a big example. I, I think it's time to turn the questions on to Ashley. Ashley's been at, Ashley came out here for one week and then, um, I think different governments said that she's not allowed to come back. Uh, I've been for trying so hard. <laughs> yeah. So the question is, is like, uh, um, I, what would, what do you think would be a good motivation for a boot to be here? and for it to work out great for everybody? Um, I think, as you kind of mentioned before, um, if you've experienced the click and you're just so, like, you just need to be surrounded by other people who have the same priorities of you, I think that the boot camp is, like, a huge draw where you can be in a place and just be, like, Talking about rocket mass heaters and Google cultures and just nerding out and nobody's looking at you like you're crazy. If anything, they're just as stoked. I, yep, I, I think, uh, that's an excellent one. The click. If you, if you've had the click, um, you gotta go someplace where you're doing it. Um, and this is a place where you could be doing it. So I think that's a, a powerful motivator. I'm Edward Norton. No, not that one. The other one. And I love pies. No, not that kind. The other kind. Permies is an old school forum packed full of friendly people who occasionally give out a slice of pie. You'll never forget your first slice of pie. It made me feel so good. I had to buy a whole pie so I could share the love. Oh, and there's apples too. Sign up at permies.com to join in the world of homesteading and permaculture and you too might get a slice of pie. Mark, do you want to you want to chime in on this one? 
Well, um, um, I would say at the point where I've, I wouldn't do the boot camp personally, um, just because I've, I've traded lots of time to get some money. Um, there's still plenty of skills that I could learn. I just don't know that I, I want to focus my time on actually building my plot and things like that. But, um, yeah, definitely the, the click and being able to talk to others about permaculture and not have to explain yourself. Like I'm at work and I'll, people ask me, Oh, you know, so how much longer do you have? And it's like, Oh, this much time. And what are you going to do? And then I'm trying to explain things <laughs> in a mindset that won't like, they're like, what, what are you talking about? You know, and they just don't get it or they, it's just new to them. And some of them that, they're like, oh, okay. And it's like, it makes perfect sense to me because I'm familiar with it. You know, I know what permaculture is, all that. And some people just there don't. So it's a little frustrating to sort of live in a world where the average person doesn't understand, doesn't have that mindset. And so I think that the, the boot camp would be a great place. Somebody can show up. Everybody else that's there as is at some stage, you know, within the Wheaton eco scale, they're not all at level zero where they have no clue what's going on. Um, so you can really connect with other people and you can learn a lot of skills. You know, people, I'm sure if I went in there within the first week, I would learn 10 different things that I had no clue about the week before and it would just better prepare me for when I do build my own house and all this. Um, so there's absolutely benefits to it. Um, so yeah, I think it's, it's a great program. You know, it's a matter of getting the word out there because there's, I would think there's thousands of people that are in that boat of, it would be an ideal situation for them. They're just not aware of it and, um, or that it would apply to them. Um, I, as far as talking to people that are saying like, uh, what are you going to do when you, when you get out? Uh, I would say that a great answer is going to be, I'm going to go and rip up a tree and build myself a cabin. Mm-hmm. Then I'm going to oh, yeah, grow my yeah. food and, uh, I'm going to forage. And, uh, stuff like that. <laughs> yeah, I've, I've been describing it to them and, and there's a lot of jealous people that, uh, <laughs> just for the fact to be able to say, well, you know, early retirement sure must be nice. And it's like, I tell you what, you, you move out of Southern California and you'd be amazed how affordable it is to live your life. <laughs> and I have to say my, my mortgage, it's only $2,500 a month. You know, it's like, wow, that's really affordable <laughs> anywhere else in the country. Uh, what? Right. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, uh, Dana, I see you here, but I don't, you just popped in. Maybe you don't want to jump in on this, but maybe you do. Your microphone is muted. Maybe it's good to leave it that way. All right. Well, let's let it go. All right. Um, the thing that we're talking about is, uh, enticing people into the bootcamp. Now, I do think that if the BRK was at $3,000, it, it helps to to keep our boots here, uh, that, that come here, it might attract a few more that are on the edge while at the same time, not putting so much money on the table that we get a whole lot of people, uh, uh, showing up that, um, uh, are, are here just for the money. 
And so I think another one would be to, to support my um, uh, video Patreon because that's the funds that I use to, to pay the boots uh, to get videos into my channel. Um, and so it puts a little money in their pocket for them to have a little bit of a side hustle and uh, at the same time gets videos out to people. So those are those are a couple of angles. Um, and then, of course, uh, there's a thread out at Permis called Boots Love, where the boots can ask for stuff. And um, I think that's that has been amazing. Uh, a lot of people have been very generous in sending care packages and stuff, and and uh, uh, it really kind of makes the boots love it here more. And uh, so they, you know, I. I think uh, it's kind of like, what are all the ways to, you know, build the number of boots here without it being, you know, just a big, you know, increase the monetary gain kind of a thing. So that way we have the people that are here. Now, I did get a comment the other day from somebody where it's like, oh, you want more boots? All you got to do is lift your ban on weed and tobacco and you'll you'll have a hundred times more boots. And I, I think that they're right. And at the same time, I'm going to keep that ban and instead try to find uh, a bunch of other ways to like, like swing a wider net or something or, or improve, you know, conversion or, uh, uh, something like that. Find other ways to, to fill the boot camp than, than changing those restrictions. Um, a lot of most of the people that are here are uh, one of the big reasons that they came was because of the restrictions. And uh, yeah, I think I I frankly like those those lines to be drawn. And uh, I would I would rather cast a wider net than remove those restrictions. Cool. So if someone wanted like where they're they're convinced and they're wanting to sign up, what would they do? What would be the next step that they would take? I would say the first thing to do is to go to the page for it uh, at wheaton-labs.com. There's a page about the boot camp. I, I would imagine if you Google permaculture boot camp, my stuff's probably the first thing. But, um, uh, you know, read the details. Make sure it's for you. We do have a thing about $100. Um, Another person has said, take away the $100 thing and you'll get more people. And it's like, it's true. We we do get more people. And then we kind of uh, start to run out of people because then the um, the the current boots will be like um, trying to meet the incoming boot or whatever. It's just like the flake out factor is probably five times bigger. So the the $100 thing has made it so that we can take the time to process all these people and um, meet them respectfully. And then those people tend to be a little bit more respectful and coming out. So like we still have like a, probably a 25% no show rate. Whereas when we first got here, we just opened it up to whoop and we had something like an 80 to 85% no show rate. And so um, I think the hundred dollar thing is pretty essential. But so the question is go to our webpage about the boot camp. There's a thing there about parting with a hundred bucks. Um, uh, I'll send you an email about filling out a questionnaire um, and then give you this information about what dates might you want to be coming out. 
and we'll have like the next four openings when we're accepting boots and you pick one or you can say, I'm just going to sit on the waiting list for a while, which is an odd thing. We've got like 60 people, 65 people on the waiting list that are, you know, when we say, come on out, they're like, no, nah, I'm just going to wait on the waiting list a little longer. <laughs> it's like they can do that. So really right now there's no wait on the waiting list. That's how you get sent out. That's great. If people wanted to support the Patreon, where would they go for that? Uh, Patreon.com slash PWVIDS. PWVIDS. So that's my Patreon for the video stuff. So that way people can get more, more videos. Uh, you know, and then that money goes to the boot camp. Uh, yeah. I think that'd be cool. Um, I'm not sure what the threat is for the BRK. Uh, and, um, hopefully we're going to get a, I think, we, I think we need to get a BRK overhaul. And so I've got somebody on the permies.com staff. I'm going to talk to about that. Um, because I don't manage the BRK. That's, that's awesome. So, um, but the big question of the week is, how do we get more people into the boot camp? And, uh, cause that's, I think that's the number one thing about changing the world right now for all of my projects. I need to get more rolls of the dice, more rolls of those, uh, Nazi dice. Um, speaking of which, one of the big things that we've been trying is, um, uh, the, uh, truly passive greenhouse project. And I just got some updated data yesterday. And, um, the absolutely amazing thing is that for each of the thermal wells in the greenhouse, they go, um, first there's a trench that's eight feet deep below, it's three feet below grade. And so, uh, and then at the bottom of the trench is two thermal wells, each of them is 17 feet deep. So, uh, 28 feet deep total. Um, and at the bottom of each well, there's a tracking thermometer that, um, sends out like Bluetooth signals. And so you get a phone and you have to hold it right over the hole and you can read the tracking data for the temperatures. And so uh, the temperature down there, um, we measured it for like a couple of months, and it was just a very steady 46.2 degrees. So one of the thermal wells, uh, in fact, the, the, it tracks the temperature differences by like 0.1 degrees. And so... Um, it has been, the temperature has been gradually going up each day, each sunny day, um, for, uh, months now. And so, uh, and it's, it's definitely a very strong upward graft on the tracking thermometers. So the, the temperature at the bottom of the wells is, uh, on one of the wells, it's currently one and a half degrees warmer. And, uh, and that's after like months of flatline, no change. And then we put the, um, the destratification pipes in 
and there still wasn't change. And then we added reflectors onto the stratification pipes to heat them up even more. And then we started seeing change. And so uh, one of the wells has gone up uh, one, uh, I think it's one and a half degrees, and the other one has gone up 2.2 degrees. So, um, and it's just a very, very steady, straight line of, of upward change. We're going to take the one that has gone up only 1.5 degrees and um, make some modifications to see if we can get it to have a stronger draw. And uh, if it works, we'll apply it to the other one as well. And so, uh, but the the key is is that if we can get the temperature, if it's if it's already gone up two degrees, it kind of suggests we can get the temperature to go up ten degrees. And if we can get it to go up ten degrees, we can get it to go up. 30 degrees. And if it goes up 30 degrees, then that means it would be like 75 down. And so then that kind of suggests that whenever the temperature inside the main greenhouse drops to something like 60, then the warmer air at the bottom of the thermal well will rise up while the colder air will, will fall into the thermal well. And so it'll be like the temperature can't get below 60 or 65. So it'll be this constantly warm greenhouse. And maybe it can even get up so warm that we can keep it tropical in there um, all year round. So anyway, that's, I don't know, that's that's another thing that could be up and coming, big roll of the dice. Could make a big, big difference. All right. Anything else about the boot camp? The BRK page is at permies.com forward slash wiki forward slash BRK. Oh, lovely. Yeah, I think that there's like about 20 people or so that have each put up uh, um, like 10 bucks, uh, 50 bucks. Um, a couple of people are at like $200. And, um, and then there's a few people that are at, that, that do care packages. They say, if you hit the BRK, I'll send you a care package. So that's been, that's been pretty cool. Um, so it's always fun when they get a care package and then they tend to share with the other groups. So lots of fun. And, you know, of course, we've mentioned before, Katie sent a care package. <laughs> we got Katie's care package. It's fun well, to send a care package. With all the macadamia nuts. Um, all right. Anything more about the boot camp? Maybe we should move into our topic of the day with the book. Well, how about this? Anything about anything else we should talk? This is the permaculture smackdown. The tough topics. Let's bring it on. I have some questions. <laughs> okay, Kyle, do it. The problem of the heart. I just, I, I, I'm reading. And I hear a lot of conflicting information. I'd like to get your views on this. Um, if you're planning on planting a whole bunch of trees, um, first off, uh, do you like I, – I know your answer is is plant a bunch of seeds and then wait 100 years. But I want my trees to start producing stuff in less than that amount of time. So, uh, bare root trees, uh, do you like those? Do you like potted trees? And also, uh, 
about what time of year do you is the optimal time to be planning all these? All right. Um, I I've been okay with planting stuff that doesn't have a cap root. I mean, the thing that gets me is is that it's like uh, um. You want a you want a tree that's going to do well without a lot of help, and um, depending on the conditions, chances are really good that I mean, there's some species that just do really, really great, and the reason why they do so great is because they have a taproot, and um, and so whenever you transplant, you lose the taproot every time, and and I. It's it's when I when I present and I say that there's always somebody in the audience that says I work at a nursery and I wish to contest that. And my first response is is that if it helps I can say it much louder. And but the thing is is that I'll ask the nursery person. So it's like okay, apple tree. Um have you ever seen a taproot on an apple tree? No. And yet an apple tree has a taproot. No, it doesn't. I've never seen one. Therefore, there is not. It's like, but of course, the only time you ever look is because you're looking at a transplanted apple tree. And so you never see. So it's like, uh, but, you know, if you plant, if you started it from seed, there would be a taproot. Now, there have been some people that have started some uh, uh, taproot species from seed or pit in uh, something that is supposed to try to preserve the taproot. But I, I'm here to say that will fail too. And um, for the ones that have experimented with it and then dug them up later to check, um, and they said there's actually now there's four tap roots. It's even better. And it's kind of like I bet you that those tap roots don't even go a third of the way down of what one tap root will do. But the thing is, is that yes, indeed, they will, they will have like, and I don't know why this is, but it's almost always four tap roots and they just, they just don't go down as deep. Some of them don't have any tap roots at all. Like you touch the tap root in any way, it just drops the tap root and there's, there's not the four tap root thing. So, um, and, and granted, oh yeah, sure. I, you're, you're going to say, I'm willing to spend a hundred thousand dollars in order to be able to have trees that are going to bear fruit in a year. And it's like, uh, um, yep, yep, there's a path down there. And, uh, and it's like, if it's going to be an apple tree, it's going to be dependent on you to, uh, take care of it because it's not going to have a tap. So um, it's it's about choices. I mean, you could – so, for example, I like to order trees from St. Lawrence Nurseries to get those particular species that I'm looking for, and I could spend a lot of time talking about that. And they're going to send bare root. And um, uh, we're going to plant those, and then we're going to um, do our best to coddle them, and they'll just require a lot of extra coddling to stay alive than if they were started from seed. But at the same time, we're starting a lot of trees from seed. And I kind of hope that the St. Lawrence stuff is going to get big enough. And then it's cross-pollinating with our other trees that we have here that are, you know, have the attributes that we want. And then those seeds will be even better than the seeds we've been planting. 
Yeah, that was part of, part of the plan is kind of get some stuff into the ground, like growing for the shorter term, but also planting seeds and, you know, trying to get, you know, a, a, getting a, a very big mix of things in time and in, in genetics and, um, yeah. Yeah. I, I think when it's got a taproot, it's going to, it's going to reach down and find a bunch of stuff that it's going to bring up and share with the other plants around, provided that it's a sharing kind of species. And so you're going to, this is where your guilds and stuff are really going to take off and be amazing. But without that taproot, well, it could still share. It just won't have as much to share, and it'll be a little needier. So I I don't know. We've got some – we've got a, a lot of fruit trees here that have started from seed that are now over 12 feet tall. Uh, boy, one of them might even be more than 15 or 16 feet tall. So we're doing great. I'd say willow trees doesn't matter. Black locust doesn't matter. Willow trees are going to start from like a clip of the willow tree, right? You're just going to yeah. go and snip off a piece and shove it in the ground and <laughs> boom, there it goes. So, yeah. Yeah, the, uh, there's a local nursery here that's got a pretty cheap bare root um, uh, black locust. I plan on just getting a whole bunch of those um, for all the reasons that everybody loves black locusts. And then, but also, you know, get some fruit trees. Uh, some, you know, some seedlings, uh, some couple year old ones, and then also plant a whole bunch of seeds of, of that variety. How, how big are those black locust ones? Because like I've grown black locusts from seed and so long as you water them, I would say within five or six months, they'll be four to five feet tall. Yeah. That's been oh, my really? experience. Yeah, I mean, okay. I planted from seed, and I'd say it, it after about three months, they were around three feet tall, and I had them in little pots. If I'd actually put them in the ground so the roots could develop better, they would have been a lot stronger than that. And they seem to germinate pretty easily. Cool. Good to know. I thought, uh Yeah. And you can buy like three thousand, four thousand seeds for twenty, thirty bucks. So where you where are get you getting uh your seeds from? I think it was Schumacher was the company. That's a source for a lot of perennial seeds, but um it can be kinda interesting getting seeds from them. Yeah, it is hit or miss. It's, uh, it's Sheffield was another one. Yeah. I I think you could probably get in just um just, just let Google be your guide. Yeah. Um. All right. Was that a was that a sufficient answer? You you said you wanted to hear my position, but I think you kind of already knew my answer. <laughs> well, I, I knew your answer, but like I knew what you were going to do. But I was like, if I were to ignore that part, of your advice because. But I want to throw, I'm going to get a bunch of seeds, throw them in the ground. But I also want to kind of accelerate things. Uh, You know, I was looking for that other answer. (laughs) Okay. If I were to to ignore, you know, your advice, what's your advice? When you're a gardener, you kind of can't help but 
get everything, right? You just kind of can't stop yourself. You're just bonkers about gardening, and it's like, now I've got all these acres. That means I can go crazy at my favorite uh gardening store you know i could go crazy at uh, uh all these different all these different places selling all the different trees and shrubs and all the different things i can get all of them and then you start you start ordering more than you could ever possibly plant by yourself and like oh no you got uh, got a different problem now <laughs> um, so it's like i mean in a way it doesn't matter what i say because if you're bonkers about gardening, you're going to go buy all the things anyway. Yeah. But I okay. do think, I, to me, what's critically important is that there's a lot of misinformation out there about apple seeds. Just, just a profound amount of, of awful misinformation, which is discouraging people from planting apple seeds. And, and so I just, I feel like I want to use this podcast to kind of get the information out there that um that that no those guys are wrong <laughs> don't listen to them plant those seeds you'll be happy it'll be wonderful you'll see it'll be great so <clears throat> i so so yes yeah, step 1 to answer your question my words are not going to stop you from going down to the local nursery and buying far too many trees and shrubs and then you get home and you're going to spend the rest of your life planting them and you're going to forget all about the thing that I said about the seeds there's there's it just doesn't make any difference what I say you're going to ignore it because you, you your eyes just get you know the size of dinner plates when you're at the nursery right mm-hmm. I yes is it's, it's a problem yeah it's a problem with the nursery this podcast is continued in part two. Hi, this is Mark. Sometimes talking to a friend or family member about permaculture can be met with a blank stare if it's all new to them. A great way to explain some of it can be over a card game using permaculture playing cards, which each have interesting facts with quality illustrations and descriptions. A wide range of people, places, and things, all related to permaculture, can be found on the permaculture playing cards at richsoil.com forward slash cards.